RTL Original Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke, a podcast where I talk to people who live in Luxembourg, pass through Luxembourg or more generally on topics which affect our lives here and by dint of this affects many others beyond Luxembourg. Today I've got two great minds in the studio and we're going to talk about sustainability in action with an example from the Sacred Heart University Luxembourg. My guests are Professor Marcus Muller and Raymond Schadek. Marcus Muller is rather local, born in Saarbrücken in Germany, just across the border, and he certainly enjoyed studying, racking up masters in electrical engineering, business administration and psychology in Germany, the UK and Australia. His PhD is in organisational psychology. For 16 years, Marcus worked in finance in London, New York, Frankfurt and Geneva and then pivoted into academia, research and teaching. He is now an internationally recognised expert and speaker on management psychology and he joined Sacred Heart University in 2013 as a full-time professor of management. Alongside teaching, he advises companies such as Laxair, Lax Innovation, Proximus, Technoport and many more. And now to Raymond Schadek. Well, where to start with Raymond? He spent a large proportion of his life, 29 years, working as an auditor and consultant with one of the big four after studying economics and law. And since 2010, he has worked as an independent director and a pro bono director, spending half his time on sustainable business models and the other half on social and societal projects. Welcome to you both. Thank you for having us this morning. I'm going to turn to you first of all, Marcus, because I'd love you to set the scene with what you've been doing at the University of Sacred Heart and what actually brought you both here today. Sure. We started about um, two years ago uh, revising our strategy at Sacred Heart University. Came to the conclusion that uh, sustainability was a big topic that should be included in our curriculum. And as a result of that, we created the uh, Sustainability in Action platform which we launched at Klima Expo together with the Minister Franz Fayot in um, October last year. Now, when it comes to the sustainability mindset, I know you've got some strong opinions on this, Raymond. Yes, I think sustainability for me is like a new song or new music. When I was 16 or 17, my parents sent me to dancing classes. The first thing they told us, the mindset to dance uh, tango is different than the mindset you need for cha-cha-cha. I think sustainability, it's completely different approach to the way we live, to the way we do business. And that is why we need a change in mindset. Do you think there's a fatigue around the word sustainability? Business models nowadays, they have to have it. Legally, sometimes they have to have it. How are you going to encourage others to live a sustainable life? I would agree with your statement that there's a certain degree of fatigue around the term. It's almost become a no word because it's associated with fear, control, also a certain degree of individualism. Mindset is a key word here. I think if we want to understand sustainability, we need to understand people. It's people who caused the problem and it's people who need to change it. But to quote Einstein, I think he said, you cannot solve a problem with the same mindset you created it. We need to change our mindset from fear, control and individualism to more confidence, creativity and collaboration. 
And for you, Raymond, you work with businesses and also many societal companies or associations. What have you seen in the last decade? Let's take the last two years with COVID. COVID helped us change this mindset. We all know the Maslow pyramid. What are our values? And our needs. And our needs. People started to reappreciate family, friends, Everything which we accepted as a given already suddenly was challenged. And we found that we need not only to love, but we also need to be loved, to have this feeling to belong something. On the other side, COVID has shown that there is more solidarity in the world than we think. It's a pity that we always talk about those who do not show solidarity. Sustainability is the 3P approach. Planet. We rediscovered nature. I never have seen so many people taking their kids out to nature, to the woods. Second, people, we really realized how much we need the social contact because suddenly uh, I'm not allowed to have too much social contact. And the third one, I think it also made us think more long term. And that's the third P, which I call prosperity, which is different from profit because profit is short term. And prosperity for me means long term, which means thinking not only about what happens today, but what happens for the next 10 years, what happens for the next 20 years, what happens to the next generations who will be our future customers and not only the customers of today. Prosperity is an interesting word because profit normally is associated with money, but prosperity can be measured in other ways. Marcus. I think there's one more thing that COVID has taught us. I think now people understand exponential growth. That's something that people didn't understand before that. Now it's easier for people to understand that on the one hand, you have increasing consumption per person and you have increasing number of people on the planet. And if you put the two together, you have exponential growth. This cannot work with the limited resources of the planet. So the question is, what are we going to do? You want to limit the consumption per person or you want to limit the number of people on the planet, both are unlikely to work unless you are in a dictatorship. It was the five-year anniversary of the the Green Exchange where they had a quick chat by um, Bertrand Picard, the Swiss entrepreneur. And he said, in order to achieve sustainability on the planet, you will have to revamp the entire infrastructure of the planet, the way we live. You cannot think linear. You have, for example, to think circular. Linear means take something from the planet You manufacture it into a product, use it, and then it's waste. And if you do that on a continuous basis, you empty your resources on the planet. So you need to have this mindset of circularity that you don't produce waste, but you produce the new resources again to be circular in this process. You speak about life. The same is true for business. Ideally, we stop speaking about sustainability pretty soon because it is normal business. It is not something I do in addition to. If the bonuses of the decision makers is linked to short-term profits, you will never become sustainable. But that is happening in business. And we've seen all of the various ways legally through necessity, businesses have had to adapt, whether it's through their choice or through being pushed is another question. But you're talking about a student level, particularly you, Marcus. And when you're talking about changing a mindset, the best way is for these things to be intrinsic. But the other way is for people to be nudged or to be pushed, whether it comes to certain laws or taxes, a whole variety of ways. But 
I think from what you've both said, your ideal endpoint would be for people to have an intrinsic want to be sustainable in the way they live, in the way they eat, in the way they travel. So just on that point, I know that you had a pilot ideation camp, Marcus. So tell us about how you did help your students and what worked and maybe what didn't work. One of the most robust findings in science is that you cannot prescribe innovation. You can control for certain behavior through carrots and sticks, but the measure of control itself or prescription itself is not sustainable. So you cannot apply not sustainable measures to achieve sustainability. To give you an example, if I want you to get off your chair, I can throw a hundred euro bill down to your feet and you might get off your chair to investigate it, grab it or what have you. That would be the carrot approach. The stick approach would be that I set your chair on fire and you would jump, <laughs> right? So those are the two options. Now let's let's exterior let, options. Let's take yeah. Let's take a closer look at those two. With the first one with the carrot approach, in order to keep you persistently get up your chair, I always have to do something for you to do something, right? And you're probably not going to jump as much the second, third, fourth, fifth time around for 100 euros, so I have to up my game. 200 euros, 300 euros, 500 euros, what have you. That's number one. Whenever I want you to do something, I need to do something, and it's getting more expensive over time. The stick approach is, what is the result of setting your chair on fire? You're going to be sitting there in fear when the fire is going to go off again. So both of those are not sustainable, and they are not very innovative in itself because you'll be thinking about the reward or thinking about the fear. You just don't have the mental energy to think about the innovation. And right. it also requires an external source to do the work. Absolutely. So this is what we try to turn upside down in our ideation camp. Just to be precise, the ideation camp is not where people come with ideas and we give them the opportunity to further develop those ideas into business plans. What we do is we work with our strategic partner, Lux Innovation, identifying a societal challenge in Luxembourg. And in the first ideation camp, it was circular building construction. And then we have a group of students, divide them up in teams, guide them through an ideation process of coming up with innovative ideas for circular building construction in Luxembourg. And that's what we did. Did they know anything about the building construction industry in Luxembourg before this ideation camp? None of them had any idea what the building construction industry in Luxembourg was all about. And none of them had any previous training in uh, circularity or circular uh, economy. And what happened? We had a lot of concerns at the beginning when we structured it together with Lux Innovation, whether, you know, given that they were completely blank at the beginning, would lead to any meaningful results at the end. Now, what we did was we gave them a lot of tools. Uh, we gave them a lot of additional training in the different areas and took them through this process, which gave them a lot of confidence. We inspired creativity in them through an ideation camp approach. And in the end, had them put together all their ideas and uh, work them out in a business case. And the end result were five brand new innovative ideas for circular building construction in Luxembourg. Well, that's wonderful. And will Lux Innovation take any of these on? In fact, uh, all five made it into the idea to flagship process. Two of the five ideas actually made it into the Capstone, which is a consulting service that the university provides for implementation with Lux Innovation as a client. We have seen that the stick approach does not work. It 
take climate crisis. In business, the stick approach doesn't Anywhere, work. Anywhere, it does not work. I, I show you why. I don't know if I agree, because when the stick approach shows that the profit margin will increase, then they change their minds. Even then, it's very difficult or it takes time. Let me give the example of the climate. In 1992, a young Canadian girl, Kulis Suzuki, Southern Kulis Suzuki, 12-year young Canadian girl, at the Rio summit of Earth, she gave nearly exactly the same speech than Greta Thunberg a couple of years ago. Why has nothing happened? Over 30 years, now since the last two, three years, we start because the regulation is coming, the pressure from the young generations is coming. It was a negative approach. Today, many businesses still see it as a burden, additional regulation, additional costs. And we all know that if somebody sees it as something which is negative, something he must do, he finds any excuses not to do it. So why not take a positive approach? Because in marketing, all the marketing campaigns are built on positives. We have this need to be loved, to belong to something positive. So why do we just do the opposite? Why not show all the nice examples we have, show all the companies we have, show all the B Corps, which are already in the world and even in Luxembourg, show what they have done versus always speaking negative of those who don't. Mm -hmm. so let's make it a positive competition to be part of something which is thinking about the next generations, which is thinking about the future of this world. You've raised a few points there. When we talk about whose speech worked best, when it was about Greta Thunberg, she hit the timing right. And in 1992, social media did not exist yet. Yes, yes. Timing plus <laughs> the way to spread the message was working in her favour. But as you rightly said, the science has been around for a very long time on climate change and ocean acidification. I was learning about it back in university quite a long time ago. So the science has been there. So let's call it the facts of been there for a long time, but people haven't moved on it. Okay. And the main people to move on it are, I believe, the policymakers and the business leaders, but now they are being pushed to by regulation. So I would say that from a business point of view, the stick approach does work. And I think it might be the best, very strong nudge that they need. That's not quite my analysis, because I think, yes, if you look at business today, they are in a kind of situation the sausage is in a sandwich. They have obviously the regulators who push from the top, but they also have the new generations who want to live differently. And I think if you look, for example, what happened in the 1960s, where the world also changed, the pressure was coming from the younger generations who said, stop it, we want to live differently. And then the regulators followed. And here we have who was first. I think those who really made the pressure were the young people. Right. And then... Obviously, the politician also needs to be loved. And I agree with okay. you, but your example and is saying that effectively it isn't the business who is making the choice, it's their clients to come or the regulators. Exactly. They're that not is, making I the intrinsic what choice. Markus, I'm getting back to your ideation camp. I think one of the elements is that we tell all these younger generations that they can change this world with every dollar you spend. You cast a decision on the world you want to live in. That is what we need to give to these younger generations and make them feel part of something positive and not only hear the negatives. To make them feel enabled to make change. 
Yeah, I actually wouldn't negate control, regulation, prescription, and so on. All I'm saying is that it has its part in a developmental stage like the one we're in right now, which is raising awareness. But raising awareness is short-lived. And this is exactly why people are getting sick and tired of the sustainability talk, the end is near, mass migration, military disputes over resources, and so on. And going back to the ideation camp, we have very strict rules around the ideation camp, but just within the ideation camp, we enable ideation. Having the rules around it and having a, a sort of a framework, but the framework cannot be too tight so that it kills innovation. Let me give you an example here because we're here in Luxembourg. One of the questions that you have to ask yourself in Luxembourg is, what role does the government of Luxembourg want to play in the sustainability puzzle globally? That's a big question. Now, if we go around and put in place regulations around carbon footprint, and then the business models and industry is doing nothing else but working on fulfilling those rules and regulations, who cares globally about Luxembourg reducing its carbon footprint by 30, 50, 70, 80, 90%? How high are the walls around Luxembourg that shelter us or protect us from the rest of the world? They cannot be high enough. What I mean by that is, what is our contribution as a country to the solution of the global crisis just by reducing our carbon footprint by XYZ? On the other hand, what are the resources we have in this country to create solutions for solving it globally? And the two most critical resources for coming up with innovations and solutions that exist in this country are money and brain. <laughs> okay? Though the question I'm asking is, what is our point on spending more and more time on putting more and more regulation in place instead of enabling the innovation of new technologies out of Luxembourg that in the end, the Chinese, the Americans, the Australians are going to pick up, which will then also make a global difference because they help us reduce carbon footprint globally because the business models and the new technologies not only reduce carbon footprint, they also make profits. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the approach here. It's not like killing or revolutionizing capitalism. It's using, as B Corp says, business as a source or force for good. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. Well, actually, when it comes to regulation, I wasn't thinking about national regulation, but mm. more European level regulation. You have both mentioned B Corp. So tell us about B Corp. For me, B Corp is exactly making this mindset change. It is really a new business model, governance, communication. Every decision that company does, whether it's hiring people, whether it's buying from suppliers, whether it's selling products or designing new products, whether it's even governance, whether it's the way they operate, is driven by a sustainability thinking. Because B Corp is, for me, a new management model. There are more than 5,000 companies today worldwide which are certified B Corps, but there are more than 100,000 companies who claim that they use a model for the transition into sustainability. People who know B Corp and B Lab, which is the parent. But just imagine our audience don't. Yeah, it's designed to promote sustainability globally at the business model and business level, but it's much more than that. It has turned from sort of a strategic approach it has turned from certification, it has turned from an idea 
into a global movement. B Corps and everyone who feels related to B Corp and B Lab, and that goes back to what Raymond said about belonging, it's a community. People help each other out, even B Corps in the same industry competing for clients or customers are collaborating for sustainability outcomes. And I think this is the way to go. It's exactly what I said earlier. It goes against individualism because we are all interdependent on this planet. And this is something that B Corp people, B Lab people realize. And this is why they collaborate. And surprisingly, even though they're collaborating despite being competitors, they're still increasing their profits. So there must be something in the B Corp approach that works. I'm going to link to their website on the show notes. And just more generally, thinking about the sustainability mindset, some people, many people are inherently lazy. They want things to be easy. You mentioned, Raymond, that with every dollar we spend, we have power over our choices. But we also sometimes have a time factor and need things to be quick. However much money we spend, it's in relation to where we are at that time. And there are other pressures on us. And we are also trusting the businesses you know, we can look at any piece of news. A recent one was that a, a lot of clothing companies dump extra unwanted clothes. I think it was in Chile, for instance. So a lot of people think they're doing good. And it turns out that that isn't the case. But on top of this, some people do some good. And then we have slightly lazy side. And therefore, we have these nudge units that are in effect through some governments. So tell us what you think about all of these things together, an average person who isn't built like you, who doesn't kind of think sustainability, positivity all the time, they might need a little bit more pushing, nudging to get to where you would like them to be. To make a mindset change, you need to bring people to a position where they want to be part of something which is positive and not negative. Let's take nature. But they also want it to be easy. <laughs> yes, but yeah, let's take nature. Over the last decades, we have, in fact, disconnected. We see us against nature. So we need to preserve nature. We sell it like a philanthropic movement where we cannot do this. Now, why not take this positive approach again and say we are part of nature? Let's reconnect to nature. And I give you an example. I'm speaking now as a chairman of L'Université dans la Nature, which is an organization which has on scientific knowledge, more than 3,000 research studies, developed programs to reconnect people to nature. If I tell the people here in Luxembourg, and I don't know any person which has more than 40 years who is not afraid of having himself or somebody in his family or friends get cancer at one moment or another. So if I tell them that if they spend two times two hours in one week in the forest, their anti-cancer cells, scientifically proven, will go up by 50%, their activity will go up by 56%, I think I can show them the example what nature brings to them and hopefully make them respect nature positively and not a threat. Other examples are if we tell business leaders that cognitivity of their employees goes up when they are in nature, that their innovation, scientifically proven, their innovation cells in their brain are becoming much more active in nature. I think we can convince them. Or if I'd say the decision makers, scientifically proven again, that if you 
have undergone surgery and you lie in your bed in hospital and you have a view on trees, you leave the hospital about one third earlier. Now, this can be expressed in euros if that is what we need to convince decision makers. And there are thousands and thousands of such examples. Why not use them and especially tell the kids what nature gives us, makes them appreciate it in a positive way? Well, I love the idea of uh, l'université dans la nature. And many years ago, I did a report on ancient forests and the volatile organic compounds coming from the trees. So I'm, I'm with you there on the old trees. They're very good for our health indeed. You use the word and the term nudges. And that's obviously also based on science. Actually, 2017, uh, someone got the, uh, the Nobel Prize in behavioral economics for it. The strongest nudge you can actually use is when you draw on people's feelings or need of belonging. Because we are, as human beings, we are social animals. And what you need to create is sort of a herd instinct or draw on the herd instinct and herd behavior. Fortunately, behavior is as contagious as a virus. So the more people you have behaving in a certain way, they become contagious in a positive way. So when you go to the supermarket, for example, here, you have two options. You can either put your grapes or your apples in a plastic bag, or you can put them in a paper bag. And then you stand there and observe for 10 minutes. And you see people going to one or the other. And when they go to the plastic bag, you see some of them just looking around if someone is observing them, whether they take the plastic bag. If no one is observing them, they take it. If they see other people, maybe even someone taking the paper bag, they switch because they don't want to be seen as external to the rest of the community acting sustainable. So I think it's a process. And the interesting question here is not whether we're going to get there. I think we will get there. The question is, will we be there soon enough? Yes. There's another question on top of that, which is a little bit harder. We are relying on the science of the people who are placing, let's say, the example of the paper bag versus the biodegradable plastic bag. I'm thinking about a certain supermarket right now. So you've got the biodegradable plastic or the paper. But there is still an energy cost in producing both of those. And actually the calculations there, we're relying on the companies to make the right calculations. And I've no doubt that some of these calculations we're doing right now are not going to be right in the future when we know the answers. For instance, people used to think plastic was a great invention because it was cheaper to transport than glass, etc. So we don't know all of the end results yet. And so the herd are following the decision makers. <laughs> you want to respond to that, or I think? I, I, yeah, I think you are right. We need to realize that we are in a transition phase. We will not switch to sustainable models in just a minute. Take just the electric car. Every problem is not solved yet, but it is a transition to something. Vast majority of people realize via COVID is that we need to believe in science because science. I fully agree with you there, hundred <laughs> percent. Science will help us find the solutions. Why are we living those living standards we live today? Because of science. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do we live? 20 or 30 years longer than 100 years ago because of science. So I think that is a trend which we will see that science will help us in the transition find the solutions. And thankfully, people are now listening to the scientists. And I would also say, advocate, we should have more scientists on boards for various companies and in government. Exactly. I think it's also people who are innovation brains 
we need to create an environment where those have the freedom to come up with solutions which are not, from one point to the other, 100% right yet. Why was the first real electric car not developed by a large car manufacturing company? Because there was no need for change. Why was the courier services not invented by a large postal organization in the country? For exactly the same reason. So that is why we need to bring in people, people from diverse backgrounds, a kind of lab spirit to come up with ideas. They will not immediately come up with the brightest idea, but they will come up with an idea which will take us into a new direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I fully agree. And that's what a lot of companies are actually doing now. They're bringing, either they have their own research units or they bring external people in to have these ideas. We could speak about this topic for a very long time. Have you any final thoughts of inspiration or if you were to give a final line to our listeners on how they can intrinsically become more sustainably driven, have a more sustainable mindset, what would your words of advice be to them? I think we need to realise the role of media. (laughs) <laughs> in all of this. I recently read over Christmas break, I read Humankind from Radka Brickman, who speaks about a mediacracy. They influence the decision makers because they influence the large public, at the, and that is why I think they need to be aware of their role. Stop, please, putting in the spotlight only the abnormal and the absurd, as Brickman calls it. We need to stop that because that will influence the mind. And I think the media should take up the responsibility in all of this. Verify the information. Give the floor also to those who are positive. I thought this was going to be a final comment, but that's a very big statement. And actually, just to to prod you a little bit there, I haven't read the book that you mentioned, but it depends what you mean by media, because a lot of young people, for instance, and we've spent time talking about the, the young person's mindset here, don't read news anymore. No, it's You could media, ask, where do they get their news? Media, We're talking about social media. mainly social media. Yeah. And I think if I say media, I also speak about the owners of Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever. But I think also the main media have a role to play. Because again, I'm sure, and I'm still surprised that there is no media yet in Luxembourg who is only broadcasting positive news. But they get that globally because it is available globally. It might well be pretty soon. No, I know that you're working on this, but there is, uh, it's an American idea, actually, I've forgotten his name, but he has has a positive news channel. And there are lots of positive news stories out there. But the trouble is when people have their social media accounts, we have very clever algorithms which feed us the news it thinks we want. And when I say news, I mean it in the very loosest sense of news. And I have asked young people at the University of Luxembourg, for instance, and MUDEC, where do they get their news? Not many of them read news, actually, in the way that we would have read news. No, but I think we cannot expect the young generations to adjust to the way we used to spread news. To be positive about social media for a while, it has been great for, um, well, it's been good and bad when it comes to body diversity, for instance. I can, well, I'm thinking, this is going down a different road now. I don't, probably don't want to go down this road. 
if you find your tribe, that's the way some people word it, but you should also keep your mind open to a diverse set of thoughts as well. This is a really big hole because then we could go into QAnon in America and various things. So uh, that, that, is, that is an enormous topic, but there is positive news out there to be found. But it's, um, it's a very complex field right now, I would say. And I'd say the media landscape is changing extremely quickly. We have so many sections of audiences, different ways in which we absorb our media. So that's not an easy one to fix. No, 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 I know that. <laughs> I, know that. I just want to say that they need to recognize what their responsibility in all of this, in this mindset change is. Well, Raymond, I am very glad that you're here and I will do my best to be a positive force in media. <laughs> Marcus, final word to you. I'm here as a representative of a business school. So um, I will talk about the business world. I think there are three main stakeholders or players in the sustainability game here. Governments, businesses as an industry and consumers. Speaking of, of business and industry, they like pointing fingers at the government and at the consumers. I think every single one of those three stakeholders needs to take his or her or its responsibility. And I think from a business perspective, uh, not acting upon sustainability and just waiting is coming at a cost. I think if you're waiting too long, I think you're running the risk of going out of business because this is going to be a tsunami that's going to come one day. To speak with Malcolm X, I think he said uh, uh, to prepare for the future, you have to work on that today. And I think that's uh, what businesses need to do. Well, today is the beginning of the future. <laughs> Thank you both so much for your time, for your thoughts and for all of the work that you do in so many diverse fields. And I'm sure I'll have you back to talk about various things, perhaps positive news, Raymond, and perhaps a book from you, uh, Marcus. So with that, thank you both so much. And I will link to all of the things you've said during the conversation in the show notes. Thank you both. Thank you too. Thank you. Brickman says, news is to the mind what sugar is to the body. <laughs>